2: Today we're going to talk a little bit about the subject of nearness. Now as I went through tremendous amount of scripture, I've read sermons of other people from Spurgeon to Current, I've looked at what others had to say about the nearness of God and we might even want to call it omnipresent, that God is everywhere present and He really is that. The subject is so vast, so wide, so deep, so rich, so sweet, so special, so meaty that I couldn't ever do it justice completely in just one message. But I can't give it more than that. But I believe that I've hopefully taken the, um, the cream of the crop to give you what I believe would help you to understand about the nearness that we can have with the Lord. Now, some of you might be scratching your head because you're feeling pretty good with life right now. God is up there in heaven. He is in His Word. He's there. He's not bothering you. And you're not bothering Him. But I'd like you to know that there is something that's missing from your life that God wants. He wants to be so near and dear to you and that you could experience Him. For at any moment, you could receive a phone call or police officers or or military people could come to your door and tell you that you've lost a loved one through an accident or through a military encounter of some type. Some of you could go through a situation that will bring you to a moment to loneliness in your life. And I pray that would not be the case. And yet some of you, you might not have ever lost people in your life. You're surrounded by thousands like Janice Joplin. Janice Joplin was going home after a concert and she was kind of carrying her guitar over her shoulder and she had her manager next to her and they were walking to the bus and she said, I just made 10,000 people fall in love with me and yet I'm going to go home and be all alone. And that story could be lived out in a lot of people's lives today. And so I don't know where you are right now, but I would like to submit to you that when you are called upon to be lonely or when the dust settles on the end of your busy day as your head hits that cool pillow at night, that God does love you and that there is a nearness that you can experience with the Lord. Perhaps you'd like to take a little personal inventory on your relationship on nearness with God and others. Here's question number one you could ask yourself. Do I sense that God is distant from me? Maybe there are periods where he ebbs and flows. Maybe he's distant from you right now. Number two, do I struggle with intimacy, with closeness, with relationships in my family and with others? It seems like I'm always banging into other people and I I don't have intimacy with others, maybe even in my own marriage or life. And then finally, do I have difficulty knowing the real needs of other people so that when they are hurting, I don't have intimacy with them and they really don't know what my needs are? They're scratching me but they're not scratching me where I really itch. And so I have a lack of nearness, and I have a struggle with that. Is that where you are today? Now, I'm not trying to give you a lot of sociology or psychology, but it could be because in the world in which you grew up, you grew up in a home where you weren't maybe picked up or loved or hugged. Or you grew up in a home where that your fam- family was highly task-oriented but you didn't either hear the words nor the tone nor the actions that made you feel up close and personal. So maybe through life you're still struggling with this and might even show in your relationship with God. And maybe you're trying to task your way to God, either to come to know Him as your Savior or just to go on with life. And I know that could be the case and I'm certainly not here to point my finger at you. I just know that you're struggling with it because probably beating deep within your chest is a heart that still says, in spite of all of this, I want intimacy. I want to have a sense of nearness, not to a rock or a tree, but to something that's alive and real. And yet you struggle with that. And I know that might be the case. And so all through life, you're going to be struggling with that. But no matter where you are, whether you're one that has to sort it out and just take it by faith... Next to those that have had great relationships. In fact, they can have a relationship with the cashier somewhere, in other words. It's easy to build a relationship with them. The question is, is it the right one? Is it a biblical one? It will really help you. Well, in putting this message together, I thought what might help you would be some of the definitions of what nearness is all about. So just grabbing from a secular dictionary, it says, "...to come to, draw near to, or to approach." I still think that you can draw near to, come to and approach and still not have intimacy or have a sense of nearness. In fact, you can be in a crowded elevator and you're close to people and you might even approach that person by climbing into that elevator with them. But you certainly don't have nearness to them in a real intimate and a special way. And then Noah Webster's dictionary, it tells us about nearness from three angles. One of it, it says closeness, which means a small distance, like a farm to a market. It seems like that's what it would be, the first dictionary of the American language back in the 1800s. Nearness. How close is our farm to where we're going to sell our products? And then, secondly, would be by blood, a nearness by brothers and sisters. Now, I have to tell you, I have a very unusual family. Those of you who have met them, I can tell you. And uh, our family is neat it's neat in this sense that we might not talk to each other unfortunately for weeks sometimes even months but when we do connect on the phone there's this unusual bond that within just a matter of a minute we're laughing and joking and telling stories there is no wall between us of hurt feelings or of unreconciliation irreconciliation we have a closeness that's there and I believe that's a nearness and sometimes you can only experience that in some families and I hurt for those of you that don't have that with your family like we have been blessed to have with ours but then there's third one and that would be called affection that's a closeness due to affection and that's intimacy between friends and nothing could be more close than when you have intimacy emotionally and physically between a husband and a wife and that's about as near as a relationship that you can have in nearness ever on planet earth but it also could be an intimacy in a relationship with god the father Well, Vine's Expository Dictionary simply says nearness is like a limb or a hand. That's very close, but it also means a hand is used to grab or to bring something close to you. Your arms, like a limb, again, it kind of all puts together physically, a hug thing going on. And then it talks about just simply bringing near. So I'm wondering that if that would be the case from the original language, that what we might have is a situation where that there is a bit of physicalness that's necessary. I don't mean sexual, for a a relationship that we can have with one another. Well, I'd like to submit to you a definition of nearness. Now, young people, I'd like you to take your notes out from this message, and I'd like you to take some notes with me because I know that you're near right now. You've got your best buds here, but essentially when you go off to school or maybe off island, you're not going to have the closeness. You're going to start over with a new set. Some of you eventually will move out of your house and you'll need to know about nearness. There'll be times when your friends won't be there when they need you or your mom and dad won't be there to respond to you when you have that need. And I want you to know how to build nearness with God in a very special way so to do that let me give you a definition of nearness that might work for you so nearness is drawing close to god notice the order nearness is you and me drawing close to god and i don't mean physically now i'm here and i got to you know commit suicide or something to get close to god i'm going to tell you you never want to stand before god before god wants you to stand before him so that's not an issue so drawing close to god and others So in other words, it's not merely drawing close to the Lord. I believe even through biblical teachings here that drawing close to the Lord is not like a monk in a monastery that the closer I get to God is going to happen when I get away from other people. Yes, there is a time that I have to come apart or I'll come apart. But I'm really never going to be as close to God totally unless there is human beings in my life because part of my closeness to God is going to be how I take God to them in a relationship. So it's all kind of mixed up together. In fact, if I'm at odds with another human being, I will lose a degree of my intimacy with God. And so God says there is a part of that. So it's drawing close to God and others for the purpose of knowing and serving them, God and others, better. So I want to draw close to them so I could really know them. Where are they itching? Where are they hurting? Life is not about me. It's about us, and it's about you. And so I want to get to know you so I can serve you. And some of us, we really don't know God. We think we know God. We think we get our information about God, often from sometimes late-night comedians, unfortunately, but that's not God. We need to know God so then we know how to accurately serve Him. And let me throw preachers in on this, and I'm going to put myself in this camp. Sometimes we preachers sometimes will display what we tell you God is and if we do not back it up with biblical scripture then we're giving you our perception of what God is and you're not going to really know God accurately and when you begin serving you're going to serve the God of the preacher or the God of your own manufacturer but not really God of the Bible so we need to know his word. So if you will for just a moment I'd like you to go on a Bible bus trip with me. I normally don't do this but I, I think because of the subject of nearness in us understanding this whole concept about nearness to God, I'd like to take all of us on this journey. Now, some of you, you're going to be on the front seat of the bus right next to the driver, and you know all of this stuff, and you could even whisper back to me, Stan, don't forget to say this, and you want to text me, what about that, and what about this? I know you want to do that. But right now, I have the microphone, and I'm going to speak to the people that are shy in the back of the bus to let you know a little bit about the concept of nearness. Now, I will tell you, it's like seeing the island here in about two hours. How can I show you everything there is on the island in two hours? But in just a couple of minutes now, I want to share with you about nearness, perhaps a little bit more than what you knew before. So we're out on the bus now. We're going to go for a trip. We're going to go for a trip down a timeline of God. And we have to begin, as we get on the bus, when God created man. Now, I don't know where you are in God's creation, but we who believe the Bible and we know science, or degree of science, we would believe that God created man. And when he created man, he created man not because God needed to have fellowship because he was so lonely. I believe it was because God wanted, through man and through what man was going to do to bring ultimate glory back to God... Because of Satan and his situation and a whole lot more. But anyway, man was created already near to God. He was created in the image of God already like God, close to God. But the Bible says that man by his own volition chose to disobey God. At that moment of disobedience, the nearness between God and man was broken. You know the story, how that when they then broke the the law of God, the word of God at that time, immediately they saw themselves as naked, so they decided to cover themselves up. That covering in itself was now a physical sign of separation between them, them, themselves, their openness and nearness to God. Then they chose to hide, and when they hid, they wanted to hide, because they didn't want to be close to God. And so God, when he spoke to them, where are you? He knew where they were, but they decided to separate, and they were not near to God. Well, through that fall, they then made, they, Adam and Eve, and then the rest of humanity began to make decisions, some of them wanting to get back to God, but they wanted to catch this, get back to God their way. And even though we want to be near, God says, yes, I want you to be near, but it's not like any way you want, you can become near to me, just want to be near me. He says, no, I want you to want to be near me, but I'm going to show you the road to get back to me. Why? Because he says, I am holy and you are not holy. You are sinful. You are sinful. And so he says, I have the way to get back to me. So the world at that time decided, some of them tried to build things to get back to God, others disobeyed God. There was a whole bunch of people that said, you know what, we don't want God, we want our own God. So they created their own God, and we can try to separate and sort all that stuff out. But the bottom line was, man kept moving further away from the nearness of God. So much so that now you have a, an ethnic group of people, we might say, the Jewish people that now wound up in Egypt in slavery. God was desperate now. Not that he was lonely, but so that he could show himself strong on the behalf of these people, to let the world know that humanity could still become near to God and God could become near to them. So what does he do? He then takes this group of people and he now releases them from Egypt. And you know the story. takes them out of Egypt. It wasn't just to show himself powerful and strong. But what he wanted to do was to show the rest of the world that there would be a group of people, that he would restart again the ability and the opportunity to become new and near to them. So he takes them out. So we see at the, the fall, the nearness was broken. Then you see the exodus. Now they're wandering in this wilderness experience. And so they're away from the world and God says, keep separating yourself from the world because I'm going to reveal myself again to you in a special way. But man had some problems. Coming from Egypt was a bunch of Gentiles called the mixed multitude. So they were kind of really on the outside of the rings. All right, at the center was God. They're way on the outside. Then you had sinful man. So you had the Gentile. Then you had sinful Jews that were out here. Then it kept building up as they got closer. A tabernacle was erected, and God says, All right, I will come and be with the people, in a sense, through this fire by night and a cloud by day, and I'll come into this tabernacle. And there was only a certain way, certain people, that could get up close to me. So he said, I'm going to reveal myself, and I'm going to show how they can become close to me. So then during that time, he sets up a whole set of laws to let the people know how far, watch this, how far they were from God, how lost they were from God. And then God said, through all of that, he says, I'm going to show you that if you follow what I tell you to do on how to get close to me, it wasn't keeping the commandments, it wasn't doing all those other ceremonial things, it was through the sacrifices they would be making, particularly the blood sacrifice, and they had to do it through a certain person that would be a priest to be able to do this. So God says, I'm going to bring you now closer, but even then, that closeness is not, still not going to be the intimacy that you can have with me that's still coming in the future. So we move away from this exodus period of time where the people now found a way through God how they can become close to the Lord. Now you get into the book of Psalms and the prophets. Let me skip Psalms. I'll come back to that in a moment. Let me go to the prophets. So the prophets are now telling them, even though God is willing now to show you how to get close to him, I want you to know that God in the future is going to be right there in your midst. He's going to be on planet Earth. He's also going to set up a whole kingdom for you and you're going to live in his kingdom and he's going to be the king of your kingdom. You're going to have that intimacy and closeness with God and that's going to come in the future. And that's why some of the Jewish people have things kind of thinking here. Well, when is Jesus coming back? He can't be Jesus Christ, the Messiah's got to come when he sets up his kingdom. So they kind of set that aside, the virgin birth and all of that, and they look forward to something in the future. But they're waiting. So the prophets are saying that he is going to live among you, and you're going to see him come, and he will be your king. Now let's go back to Psalms. At the same time that the prophets were saying that, and even a little bit before then, you had David and other writers of Psalms that were saying that, yes, we do know that my Redeemer lives, he's going to come in the future, but... He also prepares a table in front of my enemies. And I can have intimacy with God even now. Now let me give you a That was the verse we put up on the screen when we began our little preaching time here that Scott read to us. We will go back to that to let you know that even though the future of intimacy physically with the Lord being that close... We still can have intimacy even now with him when he's not here. So now let's jump over Psalms, jump over prof- the prophets and go right into the Gospels. Those of you that are new to the Bible, the Gospel, the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all right, those four, all right, those are called the Gospels. What you see there is the fulfillment of God dwelling with us, the name of Jesus. Does anybody know what his name was, That his given name when he was here on the earth? What was it? It starts with I emmanuel or e in some translations and you know what emmanuel means god dwelling with us do y'all got that say uh uh-huh so the gospels are now showing that god himself chose to dwell amongst them named jesus now stay with me the old testament then says in order for us to really have intimacy this jesus has to pay for sin so the gospels now talk about the death and the resurrection where his blood that was shed would forgive people of that sin, which was the barrier between fallen man and God. So he says, I will forgive you when I die on the cross, pay for your sins, rise again from the dead. So if we want to have intimacy and nearness with God again, it comes through Jesus Christ, God who dwells amongst us. I'm not done yet, but let me see if you're tracking with me. Way at the beginning, God said, I want to be near you and I want you to be near me. You chose to fall to sin. That sin is the barrier. And I'm now going to take the rest of the Bible and show you, he says, through the Word of God, how I'm going to still bring you back in nearness to me. So now you have Jesus in the Gospel doing what he said he'd do by paying for sin, wiping down our sin life breaking down that barrier so we can be a part of him forever. Now you've got the epistles which are all the New Testament books in the Bible. During those writings, what that does now is it opens up everything that we know about the Old Testament. It now re-explains all the purposes for the sacrifices and all that God did. It explains all that Jesus Christ did that is not of works, not of anything we do ourselves so we can become near to the Lord. So all the epistles is like stereophonic, surround sound, technicolor. It's everything that we needed to know. Again, what God did to bring us back in nearness to him including to say that there is going to be a future kingdom and you know the verse i gave you remember what it said the psalmist named Asaph, who wrote this one he said whom have i in heaven but you lord say with me and there's none upon earth i desire beside you and then it goes through the rest but here's what he says there's nobody in heaven but you So even though there's going to be that future reign with Christ and we're going to be right there in the kingdom with Him, there's still going to be heaven. And heaven isn't so much about it. I don't mean to hurt some of you. You have loved ones that have gone on and I preach it too that you'll be there with them and they'll have a new body and I'll have a new body and the likelihood of us seeing each other in heaven is pretty high according to some of the verses that I see. But the purpose of me going to heaven and the joy is not going to be so much me being nearer to my lost loved one who died in christ my purpose of being in heaven is to be absolutely the nearest i ever possibly could be to the lord jesus christ god almighty himself and so the purpose of heaven is to celebrate that nearness with him all right we've gone around the island how long did that 10 minutes maybe all right now how many of you gained a little insight about nearness through that little would you raise your hand i'm gonna gain some insight all right Now stay with me because now I want to unpack that a little bit and make it a little bit more practical. Instead of just giving you a timeline now, what does all that mean to you and me and our nearness to God? Follow along in your outline a little bit further. How is nearness illustrated in Scripture? I kind of went pretty quickly over that. Bullet point number one is his comfort is near to those who have a broken heart. I'm going to be building a case with this so you want to track with me. I want you to know his comfort is near those who have a broken heart. So I guess I need to ask you a question. Is your heart broken today? Did something happen this week that brought you close to tears or a broken heart? Did something really bother you that you just kind of went, oh? I want you to know that there is a nearness of God where he wants to wrap his ever-loving arms around you, and especially those of you that have a contrite heart, that your brokenness came from, I've blown it. My heart is broken because of something that I did that really hurt God. It hurt another person, but in hurting another person, I grieved God because God carried that other person's pain that I caused. Was there a brokenness there? I want you to know that God says, I love you for that contrite heart. He says, I'm going to comfort you now because your heart is broken and I'll wrap my arms around you. That's the nearness of God. If you experience that, That's God in his nearness. The second one, his name is near. It says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your wondrous works. Declare your name is near. All right. Now, I don't have time to go through all the names of the Lord, but I'm going to go through two of them in, in simple English. One of his names means he's a protector of us. And the second name means he's a provider for us. Can you say that with me? Protector and provider. One more time. He is a protector and he's a provider so that's what his name means now I see his name by his work so here's a question to you was there a time this week that God protected you was there something that happened that God protected you from some calamity, injury, pain separation, hurt something happened where God in his wonderful work did something supernatural that protected you you answer that When he did that at that moment, I'd like you to reflect for a moment on the nearness of God that he was, watch this, every moment, every nanosecond was in your life watching you because he operates in creation. And at that moment, his work was displayed through his name and that's his nearness to you. How many of you that God provided something special for you? Something he gave to you that you now had a need? This last week, something very unusual happened. Uh, about a month ago, I was asked to speak at the um, Hawaii Kai Retirement Home. And I don't always take these, but it was a Saturday, and uh, some people play golf, other people surf. Sometimes I wish I, I could do more of that, but this opportunity came, and I made a commitment that if I could preach, I would preach. So I came, and the room was divided with old, old, much older than you all, believe me, people that were there. And uh, as I gave the message of the gospel, that's basically all I did was explain how you can have eternal life. And when I was all done... I know you're going to sound, it's not very spiritual, but you need to see how God provides. We, as pastor, just like you, we go through financial situations. Now, maybe, I hope we don't misspend our money, but there's always needs. Things are going up. Gasoline is going up. You've seen it. Things are happening on the island. Our milk has gone up. So is yours. When I got all done, I'm shaking hands and there's a man just pouring out his heart to me how he wants to have his new girlfriend come to know Christ as Savior and how much he really loved that person and loved them so much he wanted Christ. And another guy, he comes around and he shoves some money in my pocket and I'm trying to talk to this guy, give this money, give it back, trying to, you, you know, you guys that are ministers, you know how that happens. I'm walking out the door and someone else slaps an envelope in my hand and I thought, oh, what is all this? Maybe a thank you note. I get home and I want to tell you how much money I got. here in a $10 check. Now, don't laugh. Some of you are going to say, I didn't come for the money. I'm going to tell you that God mysteriously will provide for you and me. But the thing is, that nearness means that I have to have my antennas up. Now, here's the bottom line. We have to be aware of Him moment by moment. You've heard, some of you are deeper, deeper Christians here, and you've heard of the book called Practicing the Presence of God. We make that so mystical, so mysterious. It's not. Practicing the Presence of God is simply this. God is everywhere present. He has operated in your life. He's right here. You didn't even get here by chance today. God is here in your world. And now you just live based on that thought. Because He is. That's truth. And so God will take care of you. So practice the presence of God. He will protect you. Some of you probably could have had an accident this week. But somehow you didn't change lanes or you changed lanes fast enough or you hit the brakes when you needed to. And other times He provided for you. That's the nearness of God working in your life, and it's not some kind of a woo It's just the fact. He's near to you. All right, the next bullet point. His salvation is near. Salvation. It says, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. So I guess my question is, is if you really want to be saved, do you fear him? Now, some of you, when you hear the word fear and salvation and you want to go to heaven... You hear the thought, well, I've got to fear the Lord. That means when I fear Him, I've got to worship Him. I have to serve Him. I have to weep and wail and grind my teeth and feel so sorry and do so many works and acts of contrition to prove I fear Him so that I could be saved. That's really not, not what it's saying. It says just fear Him. Another way to say it perhaps in more modern vernacular would be this, that we respect Him. I fear electricity. But I'm not so scared that I won't plug an uh, an appliance into the wall. I want that electricity to work, but I'm afraid of that electricity to the point that I'm not going to stick a fork in the socket. I won't do that. And so with God, I respect Him. I trust Him. He is who He claimed to be. Electricity is what it claims to be and what it claims to do.
1: Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you and remember to make it clear.